everybody. Welcome to another episode. This week's episode is number seven of the Box of a Feather podcast. It's Patrick and Jason on the show today. What's up, hey, my hey, friend? Hey. How's it going? Good. I've just uh, been enjoying the sun, uh, and now all of a sudden it's going to rain tomorrow. So uh, back to uh, weird Seattle weather California's been having. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit odd because normally we don't get the rain. It's just usually a lot of cloud cover and uh, on with the drought. But apparently that's that's all done with. So now allergy season. Oh, yeah, totally. I love that, too. <laughs> but uh, things have really been interesting in Anaheim, man. It's It's been this whole want for a tank and we got to get the low pick. And now Anaheim's winning. And I, I, I've been saying it on our other show. I'm, I'm struggling, <laughs> struggling to enjoy because I know we should be losing, but I'm just not ready to say I want this team to lose anymore. When they're winning, it's like it's fun to watch this game again. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're struggling with it, but this is uh, what I've been talking about for a while now. It's, uh, yeah, you know, a high draft pick might be nice, but the fact that uh, you're in a lottery doesn't necessarily mean you'll get that pick. Uh, so in the meantime, I'd rather just watch good hockey, and if they lose, they lose. But it's good to know if they they can actually compete, and they're competing against teams that are fighting for their playoff lives, and they're competing very well. So that makes entertaining hockey. It's fun to be a fan and watch all that. And uh, I, although I've embraced the fact that we won't make the playoffs, I've never fully embraced the tank. Why is that? I just don't care that much. Um, I mean, you can have two. the top two players are probably the most uh, in the draft are the most too eligible to jump right into the NHL. Uh, but at the same time, I just don't feel this Ducks team was so bad that they they have to have that. And I'd much rather see these guys get a little bit more confidence, build up to next season, and take what they've done the last you know quarter of this season and make it into something good next season. Because I just don't think this team's all that far away. I think they were mismanaged slash miscoached this whole season and i don't really want to put it all on a whole bunch of players and then you know tank considerably or just not really put forth an effort uh to just try and get maybe the chance at a higher draft pick they've got two first round picks they're good at drafting they'll find something you don't have to tank that hard to make you know my watching experience suck yes you do you need to get a great player you need a generational talent you need somebody to replace guys like ryan getzloff you gotta you have that center and coming back. And crossing your fingers that you're gonna get one of those top two guys. Well, they're not even making the effort anymore. I mean, this team's won three of four, <laughs> so they're not even making the effort anymore. Like these, this injection okay. of youth, okay. and then all of a sudden this refound love for the game from Corey Perry and Ryan Getzloff down the stretch. They've really started to play really well. All of a sudden, Cam Fowler's playing lights out. It's like. What is oh, going all on? All of a sudden, they just enjoy the game all of a sudden. Yeah, and, just all of a sudden, they're, they're ready to win. Why they like... <laughs> they're just happy right. that uh, that Bobby took over. That's what it is. Yeah. So, so, spoiler alert, if you uh, were under a rock the last uh, week or so, the Ducks beat the Predators, lost to Arizona in nice. miserable fashion, nah. beat the Avalanche in a game that was crazy, back and forth, no. a little bit of everything in that one. I did not expect the Ducks to win that after going down 2 nothing in the first period. Um, and then they beat the Panthers, and yeah. that's I mean those are pretty decent teams. I mean it was the surprising loss was Arizona, but Arizona's trying to claw their way into a playoff spot. The mm-hmm. Predators game, my God, um, mm-hmm. did not expect that either. So there's yeah. been a few surprises, and you know the kids have really performed well, and I think that an injection of youth has really paid dividends for the Ducks down this last I don't know three four weeks. I mean they just really have shown up to play. 
Yeah, I mean, you can you can throw uh, all, you know all the kids with uh, Jones and Terry, but uh, a lot of times Sprong kind of gets lost in that mix too. He's only 21 years old, still has another year left on his contract, and that kid came to play this week for sure, uh, putting up uh, goals left and right and everywhere where you need it, including the game winner. Um, what was the game winner? I think it was Colorado. He had the game winner, but. Um, you know that yeah that the youths there the the team is just playing so much better than they used to in the past you're gonna have some off games i think that arizona game wasn't necessarily a great game for most of the players ryan miller and definitely not had for a ryan one. miller he ryan had, miller a had, game. had a tough go of it after being just uh, rock solid that's gonna happen at some point for a goal he just wasn't feeling it and uh like i said between you know between the the Arizona game and the Colorado game uh, back-to-backs on the road and I didn't notice much of a difference in what they did it's just they got a little bit luckier with goals in the Colorado game and not as lucky goals against in the Arizona game uh, yeah I mean I would definitely say they there was some luck there for sure but the game against Arizona was brutal you had turnovers you had <laughs> You had uh, Ryan Miller whiffing on pucks. It, just, it wasn't a beauty of a game for Ryan Miller. He was doing his part uh, to try to get me that uh, top five pick for sure. Yeah. But like you, like you mentioned, Daniel Sprung, he scored the the see the game winning goal against Nashville, and yeah, he also that. scored the goal against against Colorado. He has three points um, in his last four games, but further uh, he's got six points or five points, rather, in his last eight games. So yeah. that's good for a guy that has been under underutilized or not utilized at all. I mean, yeah. let's just be completely clear on his usage. It, the, either the coaching staff didn't like something in his game, he was injured, there was something going on there that we're not known, uh, known or like notified of or you know privy to, because hush, 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 he, just, hush, hush. he just hasn't <laughs> been given the chance. And that guy can fly, and he can shoot the puck, so... It's strange that he wasn't given more opportunity earlier. Yeah, um, and we've talked about this on our other podcast, is that uh, I consider him, at least at this point, the small sample size, kind of a uh, uh, a game changer, uh, someone that can create offense for themselves, uh, a la Max Jones and Andre Kasha. I think all three of those guys possess something that most, to a lesser degree, I guess, uh, Henrique does this as well, where they can just kind of either through puck handling or through sheer speed or grit and determination, uh, they're they're pretty good at creating their own chances. And when you get guys like that, you want to hold on to them. And we've got a couple of really young guys that are showing the ability to do that. And Sprong is definitely one of them. And uh, you know whatever defensive uh, drawbacks he might have, he's so good on offense and such a uh, dynamic player that. I just hesitate to ever try and sit him if you really need goals or, you know, you're in a scoring uh, drought. Well, yeah, it's like it, you, you're going to scratch him for, for guys that just that get, you know, don't play the same sort of game, don't add speed to your lineup, which to me doesn't make sense when you're talking about getting rid of a guy like Daniel Sprong. Um, do you think he has a pretty good future here next year, considering the youth movement, him being only 21? He's got another year on his contract. He's probably going to have something to prove next season. It'll be a new coach. Uh, how do you feel about his overall play? Do you think it's going to be enough to keep him around with the, this youth coming up into the lineup? Well, the easy thing to say is time will tell. Um, from what I've seen, it looks bright 
as far as the future. If he's able to put up goals uh, in the limited time he's been able to play with us, he's put up, well, I think, 13 goals this season for us. Uh, that's that's something you want to keep a hold of when your your top goal scorer just just now barely broke the 20 goal mark. Um, I'm more interested to see what he can do next season under a different uh, coaching staff for a longer stretch of time to see what he can do. I think he can stay here. He's got a team friendly uh, contract for next year. Uh, but it all comes down to next year. It's the it's the show me year. See if we're going to uh, keep you around, and it'll determine how much he gets paid. And a lot of times that tends to kick people up in their um, offensive numbers. But I think he's he's skilled enough, and like I said, he, he's so fast enough, and such a great shot that he's got the ability there. So unless he just has a god awful season next year, I I don't see reason not to resign him. Since he's so young, since he can play on this team, we're trying to get younger, quicker, faster, better. Let's let's keep on the youth movement talking and, and talk about two guys that have had a lot of promise here in Anaheim. We've we've seen them grow considerably, especially Troy Terry. But before we get to him, we've got to talk about Max Jones. Um, this is somebody that is really earning a lot of fandom here in Anaheim. A lot of it has come from his little uh, almost scrap with PK Subban last week against the Predators. When we had that, the, the, you know, the uh, him going in, he gets a high high stick. He comes around and slashes Subban, turns around, they start to go at it, and then he looks at the uh, looks at Subban skating to the box, like, oh, now you want to talk, now you want to yeah. talk, and doing the hand <laughs> motion to him. Uh, fans love that. He, PK got booed the rest of the night after that play. <laughs> Everyone loves Max Jones. Um, they all were there for him against uh, Carey Price. You know, he got the eighth goal of the night, and it's like the broadcast said. You know, why don't we already talked about this? But like. You don't celebrate that goal, but when it's your first NHL goal and you've been like getting every open opportunity possible, and not burying it, you kind of it's kind of hard not to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's slowly becoming a favorite for me as well, uh, and the fact that he's tenacious like that, he's just you don't see that brand of hockey player too often, especially at such a young age, where they're willing to just go to the net, create chances if things don't work out. They're, they're hustling through whatever adversity to get back to the puck, get get the puck to a good spot, get their self in a good spot. He's a great penalty killer. He just you know, he does all the things that are admirable when you're watching a hockey player. And once again, he's got that that same thing uh, that Kasha has. And that's, you know, the ability to open up the game and create your own chances. And that's few and far in between on most teams. You're lucky if you get one or two. Um, he's two and we maybe have three in the whole lineup. So he just, he creates a chance. Eventually they're going to start going in. I feel so bad because most of the times he gets those awesome chances and the goalie just makes an outrageous save or someone gets a stick on it. It's just something that doesn't quite work for him. But other than that, I mean, he creates like three or four grade A scoring chances a game. And that's insane. Yeah, and of forwards, he doesn't get a lot of offensive uh, starts in the zone on five on five. He's he's one of the lower players when it comes to getting the opportunity to start a shift in the offensive zone, which that it, it takes a lot for you to have to either you know work that puck back in. Plus, you got to talk about the talent that he's getting paired with night and night again. He's he's one of those utility guys. The, the coaching staff seems to think, at least from my view, that he's he's multi tooled. He could play in the bottom six, he could play in the middle six. He can play in the top six. It doesn't really matter where you put Max Jones. He's effective everywhere. He's creating chances. But when he's out there with Derek Grant and um, throwing another winger on that fourth line, <laughs> he's the only one creating chances on that line. It's not like they're feeding him and he's you know not burying them. It's 
oh, look, Max Jones went and retrieved the puck and drove to the net. Oh, look, Max Jones put a dangle on somebody and got a shot away. It's like he's not being paired in a lot of situations, you know, to be most most successful. So it'll be nice to see him get a chance to play with a better center and a better winger, hopefully next season when the Ducks do some retooling, as uh, as Bobby told us during his <laughs> breakfast. I'm not letting yes. that go. He's going to be Bobby, and we're going to talk about his breakfast till the end of the season, just the way it is. <laughs> Bobby's breakfast. Bobby's breakfast. That's, that's for damn sure. And he's been out there for 10 high-danger scoring chances, and that's a lot for a young kid um, who's, who's creating a lot of these on his own. He, in fact, he's only been out there you know, for six against five on five. He's playing really, really good hockey, and it's just a matter of time before he breaks through. I mean, Adam Henrique mentioned um, there was an article by Eric Stevens talking about Troy Terry and um, and Max Jones and, and Adam Adam Henrique. You know the, the work ethics there. And this kid's six foot three, two hundred and twenty pounds. I mean, he's got the work ethic. He's got the he's got the size. He's got the skill. It just hasn't broken through yet. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. Any, anyone that shows that kind of that tenacity for the puck. A, you're going to endear yourself to every fan of the team, and then you're going to endear yourself to every coach that wants you to go to the net and create chances. You're going to endear yourself to all your teammates when you're willing to go in there. You're not willing to back down, and you're even willing to chirp P.K. Subban when he's kind of uh, being a little soft, we'll say, in a scrum. So you're, just, you're doing nothing but creating fans everywhere you go. Once the goals start dropping in, then you know from an, you know an Anaheim fans perspective, that's when he'll probably start getting the national coverage where everyone's like, oh, you got to look at this guy. This guy's doing everything. But until he does that, you just you're, you're almost there. But he, we all see what a gem he's going to be uh, moving forward. So super happy, and uh, we got a lot to look forward to. This close to getting a jersey. This tough, close. Me too, man. Tough for this kid though. <laughs> two points in 22 games with Anaheim. I know. Just, it's just so, so tough. Bad. <laughs> It does, right? You're like, oh, this guy plays so great, but he's only got two points, and he's still playing his ass off, just not able to score. Um, yeah, it's just um, unfortunate. Now let's talk about the, the you know the final guy for the youngsters. We'll talk about here is is Troy Terry. Mm-hmm. He's really, really, really stepped up, and I know we've mentioned it before, but that guy's been ultra, ultra impressive in his second stint with Anaheim. He just looks like a changed human being going to the AHL and getting called up after uh, Carlisle was fired. Yeah, um, a lot of the things that I like that he does is he sends a lot of misdirection, too. Um, He he can look like he's going to shoot and make a pass. He can look like he's going to pass and take a shot. Um, He's very deceptive now, and that that was something that wasn't really what he was doing earlier. It was more or less, uh, I'm on a line with Getzloff, uh, get get, off the puck, or uh, I'll just hang out over here. I I don't want to touch the puck until I'm shooting. Now it's kind of a guy who's willing to hang on to the puck, get it, and maybe make some looks around. He's gotten more time on the power play, uh, the second line, but that second line's looking better than the top line. So he's he's kind of you know moving or getting into his groove. He's pretty much found his niche. It's kind of where we thought he would be. Time's going to keep going with him. He's going to get better as we move along. But once again, it's a it's a great start, especially when it started so bad in the beginning of the season. Now to see where he's at, you're like okay. If he was doing this at the beginning of the season, you know, where would he be now at the end of the season? But uh, it just took a, a little bit of time in the AHL, and uh, I think now you're going to see him up for good. Yeah, I mean, after getting the NHL third star of the week, he's really Ooh. cooled off. He hasn't had any points in his last five. <laughs> but it doesn't yeah. mean he hasn't been playing well. It just, you know, goal scorers are streaky. He's also young, uh, but still a lot of promise for Troy Terry for sure. Now, so we we go through the week. The Ducks are coming off the latest win, a three two or three two win against the Florida Panthers. 
Somebody we haven't seen in the lineup, and it's not really surprising. We were kind of shocked he made it this far. We talked last week about Ryan Kessler hitting his 1,000th game. And then against the Coyotes, and he came home and played against the Blues, and you and I went to that game. and like, oh, cool, he had 1,001, not a big deal. He fi- you know, to hit, you know, he's, he's not a big deal in the sense that, oh, look, he's, he's playing again, right? We kind of figured yeah. that he would be in and out of the lineup. But we literally have not seen him since that game. And yep. that's a little troubling for his health. It's, it's kind of a good thing, in my opinion, though. You give the guy a break. Bob Murray came out and said last week that Ryan Kessler's in a lot of pain. Uh, his hip is really bothering him. And so he he's not he wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't see him again the rest of this year. He said that uh, there's no timetable for his return. But uh, what, how do you feel about Ryan Kessler? Do you think it's his last game against the Blues? Uh, yes. Unfortunately, yes. I mean, you can you can forever look at it too. or the season. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All encompassing. Yes, yes, across the board. I mean, um, at this point, what's what's the point of getting in the lineup other than to pad your stats? Um, say you played more games. If his if his hip is hurting this bad and he hasn't played since the St. Louis game, which is uh, a week ago, I think two weeks ago, something like that. Um, he's, you know, just, just shut it down, shut it down unless he's completely pain-free and good to go, which, uh, seems to be this side of impossible. Uh, he's dealing with this stuff. He's missed significant, uh, games and, you know, time over the last couple of seasons now. Um, the only, I, I would say we're done watching him play unless he somehow has a, has a miraculous off-season recovery and it's, it's back to, 80% of what it used to be because, I mean, at this point, we're looking at, like, Ryan Kessler with a 20% hip. And it's been nice. And from what we understood, it was that the goal was to hit a 1,000 games in his career. So now he's hit that. He got to play a home game after that and get a little bit of recognition from the home crowd but hasn't played since then. I don't know if he's going to kind of sit back, re you know, um, reevaluate what his new goals are and if it's something he can actually continue to do because he's not he's not producing he's playing four fourth line center at this point he's got what three kids um most of them are playing hockey at this point i mean you and me kind of know if you know your kids are, are kind of doing that thing you almost kind of want to just be there for that if you can oh yeah and so i mean it, it, it can it can change uh, a person when uh, you know is it really worth getting up every day in pain trying to manage that pain trying to produce all for what i mean there's not going to be much this season the only other reason i would see him sticking around after this season is just that he's still got two or three years left on that huge contract so short of a buyout uh, short of a long-term IR, I think uh, we probably don't see Ryan Kessler play again. That's a tough one. It's like uh, yeah. Sierra put an article out yesterday on, on uh, PucksWithFeather.com and, and said uh, Ryan Kessler's days in the NHL over. And, and one of the, her first sentence describing Ryan Kessler is just something that you and I and Eddie, we, we've talked about before, just how we view him. It's dedication, strength, perseverance, integrity, and passion. Like Everything yeah. there more than adequately describes Ryan Kessler for sure. That's... That's that guy. He, he yeah. gives you everything, every single night, as much as he possibly can. And <laughs> nobody thought that he was going to make a 1,000 games with this injury. And even he said he didn't think he was going to get there. And he did. And so it's kind of like getting over that hill, right? Got over the hill, got that that he wanted. And unfortunately, he didn't want a Stanley Cup. Came close. Um, but does it take away from the fact that he's been a great hockey player throughout his career? Just, just tough. I know we talked about him a lot last week, but... 
kind of like been the the final say has come from Bob Murray here. It's, it's like the we're not going to say it's over, <laughs> but it's over. Yeah, it's it's pretty much up to Kessler if he wants to try and get back in. But at the same time, the Ducks at this point are kind of willing to not necessarily play him all that much. So unless, like I said, he, he all of a sudden becomes a better player and his hit becomes better and he's he's uh, he can produce a little bit more for the Ducks, I just don't see the Ducks really wanting him in the lineup. And I don't think he would want to be in the lineup if he's going to hold the team back. So we'll, we'll have to see this. He's got... About four months here to try and see where he, he wants to be started next season training camp. Let's talk about somebody who has had injury issues this season in and out of the lineup, but has just been on fire as of late. Jacob Silverberg. Oh, girl. Holy hell, man. In our notes, I put it. He's so hot right now. He's, <laughs> he is so yes. hot right now. He, he's scoring uh-huh. in eight of his last nine, four goals in his last five. He's one goal shy of his career high. We're coming down to the end of the season. If he played the entire year without bonehead behind the bench, what do we have here for this guy? Like, Jacob Silverberg has been just amazing down ever since he signed that contract. I feel like he's just turned it on. Yeah, he was he was kind of heating up prior to that too. I think there were a few games before the actual contract went that he was doing what he was gonna do. Um, and this kind of goes back to that Bob Murray breakfast that we went to. Um, he said, you know, as a GM, I was standing up. There's a lot of players I didn't like watching from up there, but once I got behind the bench, I realized, oh, we shouldn't get rid of this guy. And then shortly thereafter, we get a contract signing with uh, Jakob Silverberg. Um, I feel like, uh, it, yeah, it's a little lost on, on how good he is and what he actually does. Because Did he really been, say that about Silverberg, that he wasn't sure if you liked him? He didn't him? say Silverberg specifically, but he said, you were there, he said, he was asked, well, what's the difference between being, you know, a GM up there and, you know, being behind the bench? And he said, well, being up there is easy. You can kind of look over everything and just, you know, there are pieces on a board. And uh, there are some some guys that I, I felt didn't deserve contracts. And, and uh, you know, I was trying to find a way to get rid of once I got behind the bench. And I realized he had something to say about young players needing to be uh, coddled a little bit. Or, uh, you know, there's definitely a, a difference between the Getzloffs and Perry's and Kessler's versus the younger kids. And he's basically saying they got to ask a question about everything. They have to they, know they why about, know about everything. About they want to watch videos <laughs> about everything. <laughs> They gotta know it's, a damn answer for everything. Mind. They're interested. They want to understand the game. That's hockey IQ. I don't. I don't find that a, a didn't negative. You, but, didn't you love when he said that? Silverberg's that, that in between guy, and I feel like Silverberg's probably that go between that can also talk to the young kids, also relate to the older guys, and and he had a little bit more worth than Bob Murray realized until he got behind the bench and talked to players and watched them and, and found out what their story is, and, and then shortly thereafter he had a a contract extension, but I've always been waiting for Silverberg to break out and be a 25 to 30 goal scorer. I think if, you know, Randy Carlisle system wasn't in place at the beginning of the season, we could have saw something similar to that. Uh, but at the same time, he was also being paired with Kessler and Cogliano and, you know, being asked to do shutdown role, not necessarily, you know, provide offense when you can, if you get to 20, hallelujah, high fives all around. And, and that's about it. Uh, but now that he doesn't have that, the Ducks are rolling four lines, and he's interchangeable on different lines. Now they're more offense, and he's getting that chance to really exploit his shot and uh, his timing on things. So I expect him to be 30 goal scorer next season. That's opinion. a big ask. That's a big ask. I think, he can, I can think he can do it if the Ducks keep a similar style to what they have now. If they and change if they their style and get more defensive, then no. 
Right. He just can't be playing with lugs. He can't be playing with with guys that are like uh, – and, and it's because they're past the prime of their career. But guys like Kessler, guys like Cogliano, he's been paired with most of his career in Anaheim. If he gets a chance Kogsko. to play with some guys who can skate, guys who can create – um, you know, creating space means everything to a goal scorer because if somebody's able to create space and then he's able to, to pop in to an open open spot of the ice and, you know, get into the soft area and then you get a guy who can feed him the puck, I mean, all day. Well, he doesn't have to create anymore. Or, I mean, where he's not so worried about trying to shut down the guys who do that, right? He's getting to be able to focus more on the offensive side of the puck under, under this newer system that the Ducks play. I like the fact that the Ducks forecheck. They they don't give up after they've entered the zone. A lot of times in the earlier part of the season, either they dump it in, never chase it down, uh, they just go back into prevent defense, even though it's the first period. Now there are three guys in the offensive zone trying to create a forecheck. That creates turnovers. He'll capitalize on turnovers and quick plays. He's got an amazingly quick shot. It's just if you have to set up a long, giant play for him, those never tend to work out for him. But if you get a quick turnaround, something happens fast. He's got a quick and accurate shot that can really kind of fool goalies and surprise teams. And so I think that he's never been utilized in that way. And now that the Ducks are playing this type of style, I think that he could he could flourish. And 30 goals is nowhere out of the question at this point. Yeah, I mean, that shot he had against Pecorine last week was beautiful, short side high. And Pecorine is a big dude. you got <laughs> to be accurate to shoot against him. Yeah. So Jacob Silverberg's hot. I got to talk about moving on to defense now. We need to speak a lot, speak up a little bit about a guy that's gotten a lot of ridicule over the years uh, from from us, from others. Uh, he's always been held to a high standard. But Cam Fowler, Fowler? yeah, Cam Fowler, <laughs> honestly, has just really, really been good as of late. He's been his pairing with Jacob Larson has been one of the best pairings the Ducks have had in this past stretch of games. Statistically speaking, they haven't been out there against for a goal against in the last four games, period. And they've been basically right there with chance for chance with the opposition as well. So it's not like they're getting buried and they're getting lucky because the goaltender's behind them. They're keeping pace, and it's nice to see him on his off on his offside working right, like his off wing. He we talked about that last week too, but uh, it's continued to work for him. I've been really really impressed with Cam Fowler. Yeah, uh, it's been a nice little change, the fact that uh, he switched uh, sides. And this was always something I found interesting or odd, that it was it was so big on, well, what is his handedness? He has to slot in on this side because that's he's, he's right-handed or he's left-handed. You have to be on this side on defense. I never really understood that. And uh, I think uh, since they've kind of moved him uh, to the off wing, or off defensive wing, uh, he, he's he's been able to flourish a little bit more. The puck is more on the inside versus on the boards. And with a guy who can skate like Cam Fowler, is offensive-minded like Cam Fowler, that's something that's going to kind of help him you know, ignite a rush or create an opportunity. It's also something for him that if he steals the puck at the blue line, He's already on his forehand, and he's in a good shot, you know, a good spot to take a shot from the point, versus being all the way on the, you know, the, the top corner and trying to fling it and hope it makes it there. If you're closer to the center with your stick and you're an offensive uh, defenseman, you take a shot. There's just more options, more deflections, more screen possibilities. There's a better chance to score goals. Uh, he's also just been kind of unleashed a little bit as far as being able to make outlet passes, pinch in. Uh, on the defensive zone, keep the puck in, just do everything you can to keep the puck in the other end. 
the Ducks have done that as, you know, defensive core total. And at the same time, it's just uh, Cam Fowler, either it, Larson has, has moved in, uh, Gooley was there for a little bit. They look good as well. Um, I, I feel that Cam Fowler moving to off wing has really kind of helped him and just the overall change in philosophy as far as uh, their play. Uh, how have you felt about the goaltending? We've talked about every, every, basically every position on this team. Now we went from Ford, you know, the young kids, Jacob Silverberg, talking about last, defense. Assume, right? and that, oh, of course. Well, we're not talking about Hampus Lindholm. So we'll talk about uh, about John Gibson and Ryan Miller here. Is are you surprised that uh, that they're playing Gibby? You know, still, or they should just be given some some uh, crease time to Ryan Miller more often. Just because it's like I don't know, I kind of feel they should probably try to tank still. Like you gotta, you gotta, <laughs> sit, you gotta sit your best goalie. <laughs> well, here's here's the problem: is uh, any given night, either one of those guys could be a number one goalie. Either way, uh, Miller didn't have a great outing against Arizona this week, but that's a uh, an exception to the rule. Usually, he's uh, on top of things, and that was the first game of a back to back. Why why sit him if he's healthy enough to play? Um, let him play, let him get the games in. He's not exhausted. He's not tired. He missed quite a bit of time through injury. Um, and he's, he's good to go now. It's if you're the number one goalie, you want to be played, you, which is because either way he's dressing and what are you going to do? Just sit him on the bench. Yes. How happy is he going to be doing yes. that? <laughs> so, yes. How happy is the number one goalie? Let's put it this way. Do you understand how much I want to tank? Like I, I really know, want us to it tank. Makes no sense. They're not, they're not building the tank around you. <laughs> but they need to. Like they need to understand that they to. need to do this. It's a need for this team, and they're just avoiding it. I don't understand. No, they'll give Gibby some rest. They'll let Miller play, and uh, you know they'll probably give him a little bit more look. I think down the road here, just to see because his contract's up. Miller's contract's up, so they're probably going to see. You know, how's he doing? You know, I don't think they want the, the Arizona game to be the last game to get a good look at him if they want to try and resign him for a year. Uh, but I, I feel like he's he's another guy who's going to sign for another one year and just you know keep it going as long as it goes because right now he's he's very capable and you can play either goalie and you may not get that tank you're hoping for. But they need to get the tank. I know you want that. It's just not in the cards, sweetheart. Well, I mean, like going going over to uh, to tankathon.com is where oh. I like to go. It's fun yeah, to look at. Sense. The uh-huh. ducks the ducks are at an eight point five percent chance of getting the first overall pick. Oh, those odds! Why don't we just tank? Not bad. That's not a bad. Yeah. That's not, there's only four teams ahead of them with with, with, with the uh, better percentage right now. Yeah, but that doesn't mean you have a one in five chance of getting it. Sure, it does. So no, it does. It means you got an eight percent <laughs> chance. You have less than one in ten. <laughs> so they're fifth right now in percentage. Uh-huh. Uh, they have a twenty six percent chance of getting a top three pick if they keep winning. Then we have this middling season or less than middling season. That means absolutely nothing because they're gonna they're it's gonna, gonna, gonna fall out anyways. Yeah, but why not try to go for broke and like literally go broke and on wins and get a top pick? Like I just don't understand why this team continues to try to win night after night. It's just not not something I'm understanding. They just right forfeit. <sighs> is that is that possible in the NHL? Are you allowed? To no, forfeit? you're not allowed to forfeit. You can't do that. Well then. Yeah, no athlete wants to just lose. Okay. <laughs> well, the I mean, players they, don't they, want they, to, but management can kind of create well, the situation how, where I know. But I mean, you got to think about how obvious are they going to be. Well, let's just set 
uh, sit down Getzloff. Uh, we'll set down uh, Sprong, uh, Silverberg. You hit, you take the night off, Sprong. We'll call up. Uh, you know, we'll have defensemen play your forward positions. Yes. I Let's mean, just, you can't, oh, you that's can't a good move. Let's just have everyone switch positioning. Eyebrow. Everyone switch positioning. <laughs> the new top line will be Cam Fowler, oh, no, Hampus Lindholm, and Josh Manson. Oh, you could do that too. That'd be yeah, a good one. Yeah, you could do that. Everyone plays on their off uh, stick hand. Do you know how pissed the players would be? They'd be so, like, you're trying to embarrass us out here. Like, what are you doing? Oh, God, it'd be horrific. Yeah, they would goalie, not. Goalie has to catch with his uh, right hand. Not, oh. They would not be happy oh, with that at all. Mur- I just say, I'm not going out there. <laughs> I'm going to look like an out, idiot. Yeah, that's, <laughs> how, that's how you get a forfeit. Exactly. <laughs> All right, man. So speaking of the captain, I mentioned Ryan Getzloff, and we also got to talk a little bit about Corey Perry here because, my God, um, things mm-hmm. are starting to look better for them. Getzloff mm-hmm. has been shooting the puck. He's had two partial breakaways. Like, what the hell is going on with Ryan Getzloff? He's got two goals yeah. uh, in the last week. He's been playing really well. Corey Perry solid post too in that one game. Oh it yeah, the Florida yeah ran right in and raked it off that post. So are they finally starting to click again? You, I mean, I know they're not playing on the same line so much, but is yeah. is, is Ryan Gesloff finally coming back around? As since his little injury with back spasms, and do you think Corey Perry's finally found some luck? I mean, he's not going <laughs> to score every game, but how do you yeah. feel about those two guys right now? Do you feel a little better about them, or are you still kind of like? Eh? Uh, Getzloff's Getzloff. He's going to do Getzloff things such as put up 30 assists in a season for 13 straight seasons. Uh, I'm not a big deal to, at all. Not a big deal. He'll continue to do that. He'll have, you know, you know, double digit in goals. Uh, he's had a little bit of an injury uh, and his back to, hasn't been all that great lately. Uh, so, you know, I've got no worry on Getzloff. I think next season will be, uh, you know, a bump up in the stats just because it's no longer the Carlisle system. Corey Perry, pleasantly surprised. I was uh, kind of presently surprised, pleasantly surprised the the whole time he kind of came back from his injury. He's kind of finding the goals, but what I like most about it is that he's he's scoring goals the way he used to, and that is finding just crap around the net and somehow putting it in. <laughs> so <laughs> it's either it's either hitting his skate and uh, you know in the Colorado game where hit his skate, he kind of moves out to the side, no one's there to cover him, and he just roofs it. But I mean there was there was a time where he that could happen and you could watch him panic and and, and seem like he had to try really hard to get that puck in and it hit the post. Or somehow someone would save it. He was he put it in, it was calm and nice and just that nice calmness about his game has been uh, it harkens back a little bit a few for se- to a few seasons ago he's never going to be that 50 goal scorer he's never going to be 30 goal scorer if he gets close to 20 in a season i'm happy that's something we can build on and can help us next season um his role is going to diminish as the younger players kind of come up and assert themselves in the lineup He'll kind of find his spot here, there, and everywhere. But the fact that he's he's more around the net, he's picking up garbage goals, things that not too many other players on the Ducks do too often. Um, I like it. So you know, solid B for me as he's far got as Perry. F- five points in his last six games after going scoreless for eight. So you could say he's picked it up. He had a goal and assist against uh, Montreal, an assist against Nashville, two goals against Colorado. Um, so he's not scoring every night, but we don't expect that from Corey Perry anymore. It's different u- utilization of him too. Um, strange though, in that Nashville game, he was shotless, which is a rarity for Corey Perry. Usually he gets something on net or it just may be a little unlucky there, but 
I just feel like he's finally starting, like you said, getting back to his old self. Maybe not going to get the production from his old self. I don't think I don't think that's coming anytime soon. But lately, I've been more surprised and happier about his play. Much more so than I thought we I was going to be when I heard he was coming back from injury this season. He was here. He's got nine points in twenty three games, so he's not. He's you know he's not uh, you know killing it or by any means of the, of the imagination. But I think he's definitely playing better hockey. And eventually, those breaks are going to come if you put the effort in. Right? That's just he's got the hands to finish. Still, it's not like those are gone away. Yeah, yeah, and I'll be interested to see next season when uh, most teams stop worrying about the uh, Perrys uh, and the Kesslers of the Ducks lineup. They start focusing on the younger players. Does that open up a little bit more room for Perry uh, where he's not necessarily playing against top defensemen, top uh, you know forward lines to see if he can produce from there, maybe given a little bit more opportunity against not such stiff competition. It's no longer the Getzloff Perry team. Getzloff's definitely the team, but now the Ducks are in that transition period where they've got that youth movement and a lot of good younger mid-20 players uh, on the lineup now. Perry's kind of in the shadows a little bit. Let's spend some time on the captain here. Um, before we finish talking about the players, but Ryan gets off. Stop rocket. You know, thirteen straight seasons of thirty assists. The only one he didn't get in it was his rookie year. He even had it in the NHL lockout season. <laughs> He's the guy is just an absolute beast on the ice. He, he brings the game to him. He slows everything down. He's not the, he's not the most uh, fleet of foot, so he kind of has to do that. He, I don't think he's the slowest player on the ice by any means, but he's just not that. He's not a Daniel Sprong, Andre Kasha type player. He's a big body, but he goes how to create. And I've been impressed with this game, and I kind of feel like, uh, you know, it's time to recognize him more and more because he's getting to that age where he's, his production is going to start slipping pretty good. And we've been talking a lot about, you know, as, as an NHL fan, we always hear about Joe Thornton this, Joe Thornton that. He has the same type of game. Oh, Ryan Getzloff's kind of like Joe Thornton. It's like, um, so if you're going to put him in that category, and he's won a Stanley Cup, and he's also won gold medals, and he's been a captain on this team for a long time. Let's see, where are you going with this? Uh, how is he not in the Hall of Fame talk? Like, why is it <laughs> such, like, why is it so far off? Like, it's never brought up. It's legit yeah. never brought up. And I'll talk about this every year until it happens, because <laughs> it's frustrating. He doesn't get the recognition that he deserves as a great player in this league, at least not from mainstream media. Yeah, and at the same time, I think he's he's producing so much that no one's really looking at him retiring yet or getting into the Hall of Fame conversation. I think as the seasons start to kind of add up here, and he kind of gets up to that Joe Thornton age, uh, you know, or close to it, and then then you maybe start going like, well, this guy's definitely going to be a Hall of Famer for his ballot. In my opinion, it, it's it's without a doubt. You know, first time around, he'll he'll get that opportunity. He's been dominant in his position uh, for this team, even though he may not get the the media recognition as if he were on an East Coast team or a Canadian team or something like that. This is a guy who's been a captain and been with one franchise his entire season. That goes a long way too. And like you said, he's had success everywhere. He's he's won the championships. He's won the Stanley Cup. Uh, if he could win one more and captain it, I mean, that's all but solidified at that point. Talk's over, done. No one should argue it. Um, but, you know, it's 
it's just, I just don't think he's done or anyone's really considering him at a retirement age short of injury. So we can talk about it, but I don't think you're, you're going to see in the next couple of seasons, you're not going to see too many people are going to argue you at, at that point because he's still so, so good. I mean, he's 33 years old. He'll be uh, 34 here next month or a month after that in May. Joe Thornton is 39, about to hit 40. So gets off six years behind. Several hundred I would say points six, behind Joe. But I would say six six years ago, no one was really talking about Joe Thornton in the Hall of Fame talk until, you know, last maybe two or three seasons where it looked like he, there was a chance he could retire. Yeah, no, that's true. I guess a lot a lot of people that have, have talked about Joe Thornton point to his, you know, his 100-point seasons. He had 101 points in 03. He had 114 points in 07, 96 points at Getzloff. I think he had one ninety point season back in yeah one ninety point season in 09, and that was his peak. He had eighty seven in, in twenty fourteen, and since then he's got seventy sixty three seventy three sixty one forty six. So I guess you know the, people point to those numbers in the comparison and be like, well, what are you talking about? But Getzloff is just as much of a good player. I feel like, and I, I would like to say that Ryan Getzloff hasn't had as good of a team as Joe Thornton in most seasons. Would you say that, or is that? No, you think that's I would not, not say that. I, w- I would say Getzloff's had that benefit of uh, a lot of good players. So uh, is Jumbo. Lot. Jumbo's had good players on his team too. Yeah, but also good teams. I mean, the San Jose Sharks have been to the final one time. Uh, well, and, Anaheim in the same stretch. You're not going to count 03. Getz wasn't there. <clears throat> yeah, but the Ducks got closer. <laughs> nah, I take it back. They've only been uh, two conferences. I mean, you, you, you can. Um, I don't know. I just San Jose's been a good team. They've they've always been a contender. The Ducks have always been a contender. So I, I couldn't say that San Jose's been better and Joe Thornton's benefited from being with better players because Getzloff's been on the top line for how many plus seasons with how many plus players, and he's he's made it work through whoever he's with. He's he's that guy who's who you know is the identity of this team. And if oh, you're where ever was the allerism? Where was the straw that stirs the drink comment or? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Let, let me let me That's give all of call real quick. He's sick. <laughs> Johnny on the spot. Uh, so yeah, so I, I wouldn't say either one has had an exceptionally bigger advantage given the team they're playing on. Okay, well, but they're I, very I, similar players, and I think uh, we'll see them both in the Hall of Fame. I think so too. I I, I really think that's going to happen. Well, let's finish this show up by talking about Ryan Getzoff one more time. He's got a really cool bobblehead coming out tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow, which I'm very excited that I'm going to get my hands on one. I'm going to try to get my hands on more than one for sure. Um, those are going to you know how much those are going to be on eBay the next day. People are care. such jackasses. They're just going to go they there and get a bobblehead and put up for eighty bucks. It's like, dude, what? If you want to help Ducks fans out, like your fellow fans, yeah. and be like, "Hey man, That's I'll give a whole it to you for time. like yeah. my, you know, twenty bucks." So you know, something like that. But like, they do that all the time with all the like limited items and that. It just go, they go through the roof. Uh, I can't imagine what some of the Paul Korea stuff is online from his retirement or Niedermeyer. But he's got a pretty cool bobblehead, and most of all, he's in for it. And he even said, uh, "It's <laughs> it's horrible, it's awful, or it's terrible. Let's do it." Like, he, he knows it's he knows it's nasty. If if there's ever the California type uh, attitude, Getzloff definitely has it. Even being Canadian, uh, it's just like, oh god, that's awful. 
all right, let's do it. <laughs> this is like it's horrible, but it's funny, so I don't care. Eddie Eddie could stand to use a lot of Gutsloff's traits, right? Fellow Canadians, uh, Eddie could really take a note from Ryan Gutsloff. Yeah, yeah, he he seems to be really uptight now. Now he's in love with Nashville. Oh, he's, he's in Nashville leaving. tonight. Yeah, he's, he's in Nashville this whole time. He's not, not hanging out with us. <laughs> well, we also have a watch party we got to talk about here too. All of you pucks of a feather readers and fans of our show. Please come out if, you, if you're free on Saturday. It's Ducks vs. Kings at Craftsman Pizza over off Imperial La Palma. Uh, we're going to have sound on the TVs for sure. They have a great happy hour, and they're letting us extend it. Or Actually, I don't know about extending it, but it's going to start earlier just for our group. It's going to start at 7 p.m. rather than 8. You got $3 taps uh, or $3 beer taps. Um, you got $5 craft beer taps. You have $8 personal pizzas with two topics plus other happy hour items. So the food's going to be cheap and good. And plus, we get to go to a cool spot. Um, Lots and, of raffle prizes, too. Yeah, we're doing plenty of raffle giveaways at this watch party because, well, hell, man, it's the end of the season. Why not? So definitely doing that. We hope to see you guys there. And we'll definitely be back with another Pucks of a Feather next week. Sorry again. I think it's like the fourth girl. It's a day late. Of course, it's a day late. It's a busy <laughs> time of the, of the year, the season. But we appreciate <laughs> you guys listening and hanging with us. And we'll talk to you guys in a week. Bye, guys.